0: Good morning to everybody. Um, so I really just have to start by saying that I am so uh, just honored and touched to be here. This is a very, very far cry uh, from my normal audience. Uh, when I was talking with this last night about um, with my husband, he said, "You know, it's it's close geographically, but very far, um, you know, emotionally or or content-wise." So um, again, I'm really honored to be here and honored to speaking. Uh, to be speaking with this audience today. Thank you for, for inviting me. So again, just to introduce myself, my name is Miri Yarmak. I'm a school psychologist with Baltimore City Public Schools. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that um, a little bit later. But Rabbi Howard spoke about the concept of Kidushin. He, he really set up what I, I'm going to speak about very nicely. Um, and he spoke about it in the context of thinking about work. And we you know the famous pasuk in this week's Parsha that tells us Kedoshim ki kadosh ani, Hashem So the Medrash in Vayeparava asks, Yachol kamoni, right? The Medrash is asking rhetorically, could it possibly be that we could ever be as kadosh as Hashem? And the Medrash continues, Talmud Lomar ki kadosh ani, kadusha si lamala mikadosh astchem. So the Basak says, ki kadosh ani, my kadoshah, Hashem is saying, is greater than yours. Obviously, right? Hashem's kadoshah is perfect. Hashem, we know, is enogof. You know, he created, and therefore is not defined by the laws of nature. We are basar v'adam, We're created with with a body. We were created to live to live within the laws of nature, and we are meant to strive for this kedusha. Um, we're not meant to live on the same uh, existence of, of kedusha as Hashem, right? That's not that's not the intention. Um, and yet the. Um, the, the difficulty is that we are still called upon to be Kadosh because Hashem is Kadosh. So Kadusha is something again that we as human beings are constantly grappling with in our quest to emulate Hashem. This struggle is something that I feel acutely every day. How do I define Kadusha? How do I exhibit Kadusha in my life as a wife, as a mother, as a member of the from community, and as a member of the broader community? So again, I am fortunate enough to be a wife and a mother, a Hashem. I really try to bring kedusha into those roles every day, but I also want to talk about the unique challenges and opportunities that exist outside the home and the family and how can we really bring kedusha into those settings as well. So, um, like I said, I'm a school psychologist. I work uh, in the public school system, so very much not in, in a from environment. Um, I'm also a college teacher. Um, A disclaimer that I want to start with is that I am very much not an expert, so I have not figured it out. I do not have all the answers. Um, It's very much a work in progress. I would call myself an interested consumer in this topic, right? Not an expert. Um, And something to think about as well is that the needs of, of everybody, and women in particular, really change as life changes as we're in different life uh, stages and there's the constant need to reassess and to reevaluate priorities and you know what's working and what's not working. And something that's important for, for that process is to really know your strengths, to know your challenges, what's difficult for you, Rabbi Howard mentioned this as well, what, what are we good at? What are things that we struggle with? Um, and what are our unique situations at home, with our families, with our support systems, Um, What works for one person is not going to work for another person. And again, it's really important to reflect, to be introspective, and to be intellectually honest about these things. So, um, I first want to discuss some challenges that can come up in some work settings. Some are unique to non-Jewish or secular work environments, but many of them are relevant across the board. Um, And one thing that I did is that I reached out to some trusted friends across the geographic, hashgothic, and professional spectrum to get some other people's perspectives because, again, I, I have worked in the same setting for uh, 14 years different schools, but only within that, um, within that work environment. And I really want to make sure that I was capturing other people's perspectives and other people's experiences as well. So the first type of challenge that I want to talk about is what I would call practical or logistical challenges. Um, rabbi howard mentioned the first one i'm going to talk about is uh i'm going to call the myth of work-life balance um rabbi howard touched on this when he talked about work that is kala we want to make sure that we're leaving room for other things in life so work-life balance is is a phrase that people throw around how do we balance the needs of the work that we do have and um our other needs our home the things that we need to do for our family and for our community and how do we make sure that those things don't infringe on one another. Um, So really just to think about this for a minute, this is a very huge issue that affects people across the board in multiple fields. (coughs) It's very much brought to the forefront, partially because of COVID, partially because we have changed the way we work with um, uh, telehealth and and working from home and virtual platforms. So it's really begun a a national and really a global conversation about what work-life balance could look like. And even professionally, I've actually co presented on some sessions related to this topic this school year. So, this is not an issue that's unique to women. It's not an issue that's unique to from women. It's really something that is kind of in the global consciousness right now. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Is this better? Yeah. Okay. Another thing to think about is that sometimes, you know, from women think that we have the. Uh, we're the only ones that have work-life balance issues that's not the case um i work with a lot of new mothers who are you know not jewish Um, i work with people who are caring for aging parents and um, all of those people have issues with work-life balance as well so um when you know i had uh at one of my work settings i had a the new school psychology interns used to rotate and come to observe the program that I was working with. And my boss at one point said to me, um, you know, Miriam, the, the interns or the you know the new employees really seem to like coming to your building. And I told her, well, I think it's because I told them that work-life balance is a myth. <laughs> Don't think you're gonna have it figured out. You're not gonna have it figured out. It's gonna be something that you're gonna have to grapple with. And I kind of, you know, told to them straight and um, Again, people think that there's this level that they're gonna reach, that they have figured everything out and things are gonna magically be balanced, and that's not the case, right? There's some days, uh, if things are going on at home, if there's a, a baby that's homesick, if it's Yantip, if it's Aravind, if there's a Simcha, your mind is gonna be dealing with those things. There's gonna be more time and energy spend on that, if you have a report due, if you have a presentation due, then your, your mind is going to be, you know, dealing with that. So the, the idea that things are always going to be perfectly balanced is just not, um, it's setting ourselves up to, to uh, it's not realistic and it's setting ourselves up to not be, um, to feel like we're, we're failing in that way. So another thing to think about is the ability to work from home, taking work home, having less hours, versus working longer hours away from home. Um, You know, which is better? So there's really no right or wrong answer. Um, Working at home, Rabbi Howard uh, talked about this as well, working at home might mean that you're not as present. If you are able to leave work early, but you have things to do at home, you're not as present, your mind is focused on those things. Versus um, if you have to be away from your home for longer hours, then you're physically not present. So again, just some things to think about. Um, There are more options and more flexibility in some, in some fields, in some work settings, that really didn't used to have that flexibility. And again, some of that is due to the pandemic. Um, so even when, when I was entering the field, the kinds of um, options that existed for part-time work or full-time work or you know, just, just that dichotomy, things are a little bit more gray nowadays. And I think that is kind of, you know, it is a benefit and it's something to be aware of Coming into the job market, that there are there are ranges um, and more flexibility in different places that didn't usually to exist. And the other thing to think about is that work life balance looks very different in different fields. So, a doctor's work life balance, a lawyer's work life balance, versus somebody who has a different kind of career, that's going to look very different. So again, thinking about um, you know what that means for people, again, it, it doesn't look the same for every. For, for every person and it doesn't look the same across different fields. So, related to that is managing um, home and other responsibilities. So again, that obviously goes along with the, the myth of work-life balance. Um, our time as the women is an incredibly precious resource. So, if we are working outside of the home, the time that we have when we are home is, is limited and it is very precious. Um, So really to be intentional about how we use our time. I joke at work all the time, at home all the time, about cloning myself, I'm still working on it, I haven't made it uh, yet, but I always joke it would be great if I had one, you know, version of myself that could work full time, one version of myself that could stay home full time, one version of myself could pursue all of my creative interests, all my community uh, things that I want to do and be a part of, one version could do all the self-care. And that's not a possibility, right? We have to split ourselves into different factions to be able to do all the things that we need to do. One way to accomplish that, or to be intentional about how we use our time, is to outsource tasks that we can, that we are able to outsource. Um, this is, another way of thinking about this is cleaning or babysitting help. Uh, I want to paraphrase Rebson Bronzi and Al Shalom, who used to say to take as much cleaning help as you can afford, and I would really extend that concept to child care, so I, uh, an invite, a piece of advice I, I always give people coming into really any field is to, to choose and to get the best quality child care that you can afford um, because that peace of mind is going to allow you to be present at work and it's going to allow you to be present at home. You are not good for anybody, you are not good to anybody if you are worried about your child. Um, so that's just kind of a a practical piece Um, in terms of of outsourcing or um, thinking about how to accomplish all the tasks uh, don't try to do all the things so you're gonna end up burnt out exhausted and resentful if you think that you alone have to do all of these myriad of things that have to happen Um, just a personal example Carpool doesn't really resonate with me, so I have outsourced carpool as often as I have been able to do that, but something that I very much like to do um, is to like chaperone school my kids' school trips when when possible. It's not always possible, but I try to do that if I can. I like to be home in the afternoon, so I structure my day so that I can be home for, when my kids get home from school. Um, and I really try to um, have my husband's night theater be like a sacred time where I am Home and, and available to be home with the kids so that that's not being impacted, right? So I can not do everything, but what are the things that I am prioritizing? Um, and it's what's important to you, what resonates with you, and what what's resonates with your family, what's a priority for your family. And the other piece I just wanna bring up about that too is to really utilize your support system. And everybody's support system is gonna look different depending on Merit Hashem. Um, you know, your husbands, your families, who, who you have available with you, where you're living. Um, if your husband is available to do some of those tasks, that's great. If he is not, depending on his learning, work, school schedule, then he may not be available, right? And again, um, those things may shift over time. So that's why we also want to make sure that we're reevaluating as as things change. Um, another logistical issue that comes up a lot is Shabbos, Yom and kind of scheduling around those things. I really don't want to minimize this. This is a very common and frustrating challenge that women who work in a secular work environment specifically face. Um, Although it is still difficult for many women who work in a firm environment because um, I've been told, I don't really know, that everybody is kind of in the same boat preparing for Yom preparing for, you know, Shabbos um, and there's maybe less sympathy. So when you're at work, you're expected to do your job you have to figure it out. Uh, versus I know when you know when I my coworkers know that I am preparing for for a holiday, they're very in awe of the amount of things that that I have to do. So in that way, um, it's challenging for everybody. It is very salient. It's something that comes up a lot. It's one of the first things that I am asked about when people want to uh, think about joining you know the field or or coming into a school system or coming into a uh, um, a non-Jewish environment. I do get asked about that a lot. There's a lot of different solutions and they're gonna be very unique to the specific workplace that you're in. Again, just a lot of variability. There's different settings, different bosses feel differently about different things. We could like, have a whole session just about how to navigate and negotiate conversations around Shabbos and Yontif and leaving early, etc. cetera. Um, there's different policies. But I, I really wanna stress um, not to take advantage of that so if you are you know given some kind of leeway yes religious leave like we we, it's the law we have to be given um, that leave but I I always feel like if I am given some leeway I want to give it back to my workplace I want to. I want my bosses to know that I appreciate the leeway that they're giving me Um, there's been some very public times where I've had to exit meetings on Friday afternoons or you know, um, missing things because of um, Yantuf, especially at the beginning of the year. It's like, oh, I'll, I'm gonna be out again on Wednesday. Oh, I'm gonna be out again on Wednesday. You won't see me for a whole bunch of Wednesdays. Um, so it's very it's very public, it's very out there, and I wanna make sure that that I am giving back the time that was given to me, essentially. Um, so another category of challenge that comes up in a work environment are Haskapik challenges. The first one I want to talk about is um, just kind of like the topics of conversation that come up, the content of those conversations, the type of language that um, people could be exposed to in a work environment. Again, it very much depends on the culture of the work environment that you're in. It very much depends on the setting. It depends on the boss. Um, It depends on what the work is, who who your coworkers are. There's a lot of variability. But we really set the tone for the types of content and conversations and language that we allow in our immediate proximity to a greater greater extent. Um, My my students certainly don't use this type of language that I use. Most of them, I can't say all of them, but most of them will not or will will try to monitor themselves and not use that type of language in front of me because they know that I don't use that type of language. the adults are not always as good about it, the students are better sometimes, but um, another thing to, to keep in mind is even language that is not necessarily crass or language that is not necessarily um, like profane, but when we are with people who speak a certain way, we can sometimes like adopt their expressions or their way of speaking um, just by being with them for long periods of time. And it's really something that we want to try to be machazik ourselves in that area. So like, if there's an erosion, we want to be aware of it, we want to be honest about it, and we want to try to put things in place so that we are um, adding chizuk in that area, specifically um, in the the area of speech. Um, One of my friends brought up, I had not thought of this, but differences in politics. Politics can become very heated in an office, My own personal boundary I'm happy to share with you is that um, I try to stay away from conversations about politics in general. They don't usually end well, but I will not ever discuss um, politics related to Israel or related to Holocaust issues. I won't discuss them Um, because they just don't, they don't, uh, it it doesn't go well for me. So I have told, you know, even when people try to engage me in conversations about those things, I say, you know what, I have a policy that I really don't. I won't engage in this in this conversation. So, respectfully, I'm gonna just kind of bow out of that discussion. Um, another Hasidic issue that can come up is differences with technology use or access to media, um, and really even you know within um, within from kite, there's different people have different levels of sensitivity. People have different levels of access. So, uh, there can be a lot of variations: internet, smartphones, etc. If and when those things come up, if you, I find that if you present your boundary genuinely and with respect, people are more respectful and receptive. So that tends to be my approach with everything. Um, I share what it is that I am able to do and then what it is that I'm not able to do. And normally that is met with respect. Um, So just again, something that that can come up in, in multiple settings. Um, and just to add about that, that again, you know, depending on the environment, sorry, um, depending on the environment, there's the, the the expectations for use of technology are gonna be different, depending on the environment that you work. Um, you don't always know those things going into it. So just, again, having a, a plan and being flexible and being able to reevaluate is gonna be important. Um, the third hashkafic issue I want to discuss is sineas um, issues, issues of relating to the opposite gender, um, uh, you know, nigia, things like that. Um, again, really, just to stress that the norms for these kinds of things vary very greatly depending on the type of work that you do, the setting. Um, some of those issues have been improved or, or made a little less problematic because of COVID. Um, and also because of just some things that are going on in the in the world at large. So there's a little bit more awareness of, you know, maybe avoiding physical touch. So that has, has worked in our favor, I would say. Um, either way, like Rabbi Howard mentioned, the norms for these type of, um, you know, relationships between coworkers and the way people conduct themselves, they're drastically different in our community. So no matter no matter what the norms are in your specific work environment, um, what, what we are used to is gonna look incredibly different than the, the workplace. Um, so some things to think about are the use of names, like how do you address colleagues? Do you use last names? Um, do you use You know nicknames. Do you use your your full name? Um, I'm just gonna hold this. I think. So for me, uh, you know, I I go by Mary. That's my name. My legal name is Miriam. At work, I go by Miriam. I like that it is a different name that I use in the community versus the name that I use at work. Some people have English names. They use the you know the English names at work. Uh, Again, for me. Um, I actually love that my legal name is a Jewish name because I am very proud of being Jewish I don't want anyone to forget that I'm Jewish Um, so I feel like it puts me very front and center uh, when people refer to me by by that name that's that's my name that's who I am that's my identity Um, but my again my in the community I'm choose to you know use my nickname and I I, work I work uh, colleagues will use my formal name Um, Thank you. Um, another thing to think about is, and again, Rabbi Howard alluded to a lot of these things, is the concept of like oversharing, even with female colleagues. Um, and even on neutral topics, even on topics that are not necessarily inappropriate, but just having those boundaries and um, really thinking about having our social needs met outside of the work setting. Um, it is really important, specifically in this area, in all of the areas, but specifically in this area, to have trusted people to kind of bounce these ideas off of. Um, you know, your support system, your mentors, the your your husbands, um, just to kind of be making sure that you are constantly reevaluating and reassessing how things go in this you know, in this area, you're, you're always meeting new people, your um, work situations could change, so really like staying, staying in touch and, and kind of checking in about this specifically. Um, the last Hashkafic issue that I want to talk about are um, other Hashkafic challenges or specifically um, issues related to alternative lifestyles. Um, this is an issue that is extremely, extremely prevalent in secular workplaces. It comes up in a lot of expected ways and a lot of unexpected ways. Um, and it's kind of just becoming more, uh, more prevalent and more, um, in, in, it's coming up in a lot of different ways in a lot of different workplaces. So what I would say about that is really that there needs to be a plan our kind of an expectation that you're going to confront it. So thinking that, um, well, you know, I, I I'm going to be in X Y Z environment. I probably won't have to deal with that in that setting. That's unrealistic. Um, it's going to come up. It's going to come up. So having a, like I said, a plan or just expecting to confront it um, is something that you really need to think about in advance. I am asked about it directly by colleagues. I had a a, a situation once where I was. In one of my schools, and I was asked by um, my Catholic and Muslim co workers specifically how I work with the students that have these needs. Um, and they wanted to know, as a person of faith, how I addressed it. So, again, it is something that, that is going to come up for you depending, it's going to look different depending on where you are, but making sure that you are checking in again with Rabbanim, with mentors um about how to how to address co-workers directly this topic is just something that that needs to be addressed Um, because it is so prevalent we can become somewhat desensitized to it that's kind of the the other the other side of it but um, we really need to again be machazik ourselves in that area and make sure that we are seeking out support and, and um, learning and growing, but also understanding that this is something that is a reality in today's world. Um, just, Rabbi Howard again mentioned, but some ways or some things to think about in terms of, of getting chizuk, um, being involved in community events, being involved in you know, chesed organizations and projects, um, social events, meeting up with friends, uh, shirim, Haburas, those are all of those things are, are very crucial for me. They're, they're my lifelines, and they're things that I um, value and really place a lot of, of importance in, specifically because I'm not in a from environment. Um, some challenges, briefly, um, that are unique to working in from environments, and again, I, I outsource this. The benefits of working in a firm environment are obvious. We don't have to deal with a lot of the things that I just discussed. Um, but there is more personal work overlap. Rabbi um, Howard mentioned this. We, we would call it heimischkeit. In my, in my uh, setting, we call that dual relationships, right? Where you're, um, you know, the, the person that you're giving speech and language therapy to is also your neighbor, is also your daughter's friend, is also, you know, go see your shul. So it can be harder and more complicated to create boundaries, both in terms of SNAs and in terms of like professional boundaries. It can also be more emotionally draining to work within the firm community. Um, there is an expectation of people that work in the firm environment of being able to juggle everything because everybody is doing it. even though, again, like we said, that's a myth, but there is that there is that expectation. And there's also um, people have shared with me that they can feel undervalued or underappreciated uh, and or undercompensated even though they choose to work within the community. Um, There's a specific challenge of women in teaching um, in terms of their compensation. This got a lot lot of attention recently. Um, It's beyond the scope of this discussion, but just something to think about, you know, um, about working in the community that it does come with its own set of challenges. I do also want to talk about the benefits and opportunities of working outside the home. There are many. The first and foremost is being able to pay for needs and wants. It's pretty great. So um, I, I consider it a to be able to pay tuition. And being able to have the, the, the income to be able to do that is, is a huge my-law. It's why I, uh, one of the main reasons why I work. A lot of jobs have health benefits really not to understate that, um, those things can be very expensive, those things can really throw a monkey wrench into uh, people's financial um, plans, and being able to have access to those things is, is a huge myla, a huge myla. Um, Rabbi Howard alluded to the opportunity to make a difference and be productive, utilizing your co-hosts. That's something that is really important, and a lot of women um, are able to to utilize other other parts of themselves or to uh, utilize their co co-host in different ways by working outside of the home working provides structure and a schedule which is very good for mental health there's a lot of research on that that having a schedule and a structure is very important for mental health it um, prevents depression and it you know um, prevents loneliness um, again We we mentioned before that there are many more opportunities now than when I entered the workforce for work from home and flexible scheduling, which are things to think about. Um, And there are also more kinds of jobs, more side jobs, more creative job opportunities that really didn't exist even a few years ago. So the types of opportunities um, for women to be able to to work outside the home. There's just more of them. There's more different kinds of opportunities than used to exist. Um, Working is intellectually stimulating. It's an opportunity for adult conversation. Um, And again, using that side of your brain that that may not have, um, you may not be able to use it in the same way when you're home with small children. So that is definitely another benefit. There's also um, opportunities to learn about things or to do things that enable you to help the community. If you're working within the frum community, then you're doing those things directly. If you're working outside the frum community, then you're maybe doing those things indirectly. Tremendous opportunities for chesed. Um For me personally, it is very important for me to Elevate what I do and use it for Avodas Hakodesh in some capacity. It drove my decision to be a college teacher. Um, for example, I felt very strongly that if I was um, in a position where I was discussing things that were sensitive and I had the availability to do that and I was able to do that, I want to be able to use it um, for Avodas Hakodesh as well. I uh, do something that I, I call the barter system, which basically looks like if I have. Friends, family members who are um, in other fields and they call me and they ask me about their kids or the situation that they're having in school and they say I feel bad I don't want to use you know take your time I like, don't feel bad because then if I have a question about my kid's rash I'll just send it to you and then like we have this great barter system so I mean I joke around about that but being able to use what I know to help um, the from community is tremendously important to me. So even though I don't work directly with the community, I still try to use it for the community in some capacity. Um, there is a tremendous opportunity to make a Kiddush Hashem and to be uh, what I would call an ambassador for Fromkite. Kite. Um, again, we we look very different. Uh, we act very differently. We're, we're very um, visibly Jewish. We're very visibly religious, and um, that opportunity in and of itself is is the Kiddush Hashem. I do also feel that working outside the home helps me be a better mother. Um, Specifically for me, uh, awareness of schools as systems, mental health issues, educational methodology, those have all been things that have helped me as a mother. Um, But even, again, just the structure and the opportunities for intellectual stimulation um, are all things that I think help me be more present with my kids. So just a very brief conclusion, some overall themes that I want to make sure that I touch on again are the need for boundaries, clear boundaries, um, especially in You know the different areas that arise, that that become problematic or that may be problematic at the outset. The need for mentors, rabbanim, and a support system, and um, also a need for constant reevaluation. Rabbi Howard alluded to this as well, but um, even to evaluate maybe at some points, do I want to return to work? should I take a break? Should I cut down my hours? Um, society does pressure us to look and be productive, but we really need to you know, constantly reassess and reevaluate our priorities and, and what they look like for us. Um, and where, in what areas do I need chazuk and how can I make sure that I'm getting that chazuk? How can I make sure that I am taking care of myself? Again, the self-care, the the, but also the um, the spiritual self-care how can I make sure that I'm accessing the that I need so just to end off I want to give a bracha to all of you that you should be zelcha to bring kedusha into all aspects of your life and to see how tzachah in all your endeavors thank you thank you, thank you. Um, now we have some questions I have a question of clar- clarification you said when it comes to technology um, there is an expectation that when you use technology it needs to be monitored. Could you describe what that looks like? Like what kind of challenges would I be facing technically? Like that I go on internet when I don't have internet? Is that what you're So yeah, do? so um, for example in many uh, workplaces there's an expectation that you check email over the weekend or there's an expectation that you are available by email if there is, you know, a crisis or that you, again, it really depends on the, the nature of your jobs. Um, people have, have had some creative workarounds for those things. I know during virtual learning there were um, people that did, you know, they, they did their sessions from their cars. If that was a boundary that they had that they didn't want internet in their homes, that they had, um, you know, they went to their schools and, and did sessions. So. To I guess the 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 point I would make is to be aware of the expectations, to be aware of your boundaries, and then to try to figure out along with your love, along with your mentors, how to best address that um, the the you know the need of the workplace versus your own um, your own boundaries.